0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to New Hope Community Church. If we haven't met before, my name is Pastor Justin Domino. I'm one of the preaching pastors here. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Habakkuk chapter 3. If you've never heard of Habakkuk, it's about just at the end of the Old Testament, which means it's right in the middle of your Bible. It's a tiny little book. If you can't find it, good luck. Just use your phone because it's very small. But we've been in this series for the last three weeks called Faith and Doubt. And really what we're talking about in this series is there's really hard questions in life. And the biggest question that kind of surrounds this is why does evil and suffering happen if God is good? Because this is the number one thing that I think causes most people to lose their faith in Jesus and God as a whole. I think as a church, sometimes we get really scared about the secular world, and we think that if our schools, teach evolution or some other sort of secular ideology that we think, well, our young kids are just going to walk away from the faith. But that's part of it. But I think one of the bigger questions is we believe that we have a good God, a good God who loves us deeply and passionately. It's why he sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we could be atoned for our sins and enter into eternal life in heaven, that we could change the world as we know it. And yet, as we know that truth, we wrestle with this thought, with this problem of, why does evil and suffering keep happening if God is so good? Now, if you still have those questions, go back over the last 3 weeks, listen to those sermons on our website or our YouTube channel. There's some really good stuff in there. But today I want to talk to you about one big looming question. And it's how do we respond to God when evil and suffering happens? Because what we've talked about over the past three weeks through this story of Habakkuk is that God does allow evil to happen. He he doesn't create it, but he allows it to happen. But we're going to see in Habakkuk's response to God, while all the evil is happening to himself and in Israel, and I think that there's so much depth and so much importance. So in just a minute, we're going to read the entire chapter of Habakkuk 3, and I'm going to warn you. It's a little bit long, and it's even going to be a little bit confusing. I'm going to explain what it means, but it's it's a little bit long. But I think it's it's so formative to our relationship with Jesus that if we want to be grounded and strong when evil and suffering hits, we have to understand what Habakkuk is ultimately saying. So just a little bit of a background before I read it. Habakkuk is a prophet in Israel, and he is looking at his own nation. Kind of picture him up on a mountaintop looking over the city. He's looking at his own nation, and he sees all the evil, all the suffering, and all the injustice that Israel, his own people, is guilty of. And he questions God. He says, God, why would you allow this to happen? Why are you allowing all this evil to happen? These are supposed to be your people. And then God responds to Habakkuk, and he says, just wait. Because I'm actually going to send Babylon into overcome Israel, and I'm going to exile you out of your land. Babylon is this horribly evil nation, even worse than Israel itself, and that sends Habakkuk into confusion and questioning. He's thinking, God, I want you to to change this. I don't want you to send more bad things to happen. I want you to actually change this. But what we learn in the story is that Babylon comes into exile Israel out of their promised land that God had given them, but 400 years later, as an act of grace, God brings them back in as a restoration of God's relationship with Israel. And if we look at it with that perspective, it all makes sense. But ultimately, at the end of this, when Habakkuk knows God's plan, and when he sees the whole thing kind of coming to fruition, this is his response to God. So Habakkuk chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 19, he says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Timon the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked, and he made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled. The age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever." I saw the tents of Kushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? I told you this gets a little bit confusing. I'll explain it. Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and they writhed. Torrents of water swept by, and the deep roared and, the, and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon, moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness, you stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard, and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity. To come on the nation invading us. This is the powerful part right here. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he enables me to tread on the heights. Now, what we just learned, what we just read here, is Habakkuk's response to God after God revealed the plan to Habakkuk of what he was going to do through Babylon to the nation of Israel because of their sins. Now, as we read this, I think the number one thing that we need to get from this is that God is a sovereign God. The biggest question that we're answering right now is how do we respond to evil? How do we respond to God when evil and suffering are happening? Because sometimes we want God to just snap his fingers and make it all go away. But I'll, I'll just let you know, and I think you already know this that's not how God works. Heaven is going to be perfect, the earth is not going to be perfect. Why? Because of you and me. We're very sinful people. We make a lot of mistakes. But what is Habakkuk's number one step? What's the first thing that he does in his response to God? He says to him, Lord, I have heard of your fame, and I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. What's he doing here? He is making a statement that, Lord, I do not understand your ways. If it was me, honestly, I might do it a little bit differently. So it'd be a little bit easier for Israel. But Lord, I stand before you. I am in awe of you. What is he doing? He's praising God. And I think that this is our first step when we're facing evil and suffering, when we don't understand what is happening around us. We stand before God and it's okay to come to him with our doubts, with our questions and say, God, I don't understand it, but I am here before you and I praise you. Now, the reason why we do this, and I think a bigger question comes out of this, is how can we praise God if evil and suffering is happening? But here's what we need to know. That God is sovereign over all things that happen in this world. And we talked about it a couple weeks ago, that while God doesn't cause evil, he allows it to happen. But I want you to hear this today, that while he allows it to happen, nothing happens on this earth, in this world, that is outside of God's strength, or ability, or even his knowledge. God knows, he understands, and he has a plan. And I want you to hear that for the grand scheme of all the things that are happening on this earth. You know, we talked about in the series about school shootings and abortions and so many different things that evil is happening on a grand scale, but even in your personal life. I mean, there there are gonna be days that you walk through that you think, why, God? Why is this happening to me? I get there's problems in the world, but right now, God, I am struggling, and I want you to hear this. Nothing that is happening to you is outside of God's strength, his abilities, or his knowledge. He has a plan. And that's what ultimately brings Habakkuk to this posture of, God, I don't understand it, but I'm going to stand before you today, and I'm going to worship you because of who you are, not just because of what's happening. That I don't fully understand, but because of your character, God, it's who you are. You are a good and sovereign God. And he comes to this place of total trust, and total dependence. And as we've walked through the last three weeks of this series, uh, looking at the spectrum of faith and doubt, I think a lot of us might be on this spectrum of doubt or questioning or frustrations maybe with God. Ultimately, I can't answer why God is doing specific things. I don't think any of us totally can on this side of eternity. But what I want to encourage you and push you towards is this total, total dependence on God. This trust and this faith that while we don't understand it, we're going to trust that God is good and he is sovereign. Nothing happens without his knowledge or sovereignty. And this is a big thing to understand. Because ultimately, what are the other options? Because so many people, when they come to evil and they think, I have this problem with evil, how can God be good? I'm just going to walk away from him. just want to ask you a question if that's you today. Or maybe you know somebody in your life that's going through that right now. What is the other option? Is it to believe in nothing? And that the universe is just messed up and there's no hope for anybody, so we might as well just drink and party and just have fun? May as well live like the philosopher Sigmund Freud taught us to live, that life is just about pleasure. So pleasure it up as much as you want to drink, smoke, be happy, do everything that you want to do. Because that's the ultimate purpose of life, if there is no God. But we believe here at New Hope Community Church, and I want to push you into this belief in that there is a God. And while we don't always understand why certain things happen, we believe that God is a God of hope. Jesus said, take heart, I have overcome the world. There will come a day when all of this is healed. And so I want to encourage you that God is better than the other options. And so we want to stand before God and we want to praise him because his character and his plan is good. Now, Habakkuk moves into a whole other form of writing. He starts to write not like a prophet, but like a poet. And this is where, honestly, for most of us, I would guess that the vast majority of us are not reading poetry on a daily basis. I know I'm not. And so when I read poetry in the Bible, I'm like right over my head. No idea what he's talking about. So I'm reading Habakkuk 3 a couple weeks ago. I'm thinking, okay, where is he going with this? Because it seems like he just took a wild left turn over the next like 15 verses. He starts to say things like, God came from Timon. Or the Holy One from Mount Paran. And I'm like, where are these places? I have never heard of God coming from these places before. Or he starts to say, raised flash from his hand where his power was hidden. Or I saw the tents of Kushan in distress. Or the sun and the moon, they stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows. I'm like, what in the heck? Right? I don't know what's happening here. But as I was reading this, I started to get and understand that a lot of the language that Habakkuk is reading pertains to the entire Old Testament, most of it to the Exodus story. Now, if you're not familiar with the Exodus story, this is when God set the plagues on on Pharaoh in Egypt, and they led the, the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt to take their promised land, but they wandered in the desert for 40 years. You might know the story if you grew up in Sunday school. This is a major, major part of Israel's history. Now, in this, Israel was fearful almost every single day. Not only were they under this dictator, Pharaoh, who had them in slavery, but once they were let out, they had no home. God ultimately promised them, yeah, you're going to get to your promised land, which would take about two weeks to walk to, but God caused it to take 40 years before they were allowed in. And so they had enemies coming after them as they wandered. They They were frustrated and confused. Why wouldn't God just give them this? And so Habakkuk is looking back on their history, He's looking back on their history because he's reminding himself and he's reminding Israel of all of the good things that God has done for them along the way. Our first step when we're questioning why is this happening, our first step is we need to praise. But our second step is we need to remember. Because when evil is facing us every day, or when we're going through something that's just really distressing in our lives, it can cause our faith to be really shaky. But what we need to do is have the perspective of, what has God done in my past? I mean, there's a reason that you are sitting here in church today. Many of you have been Christians for for 40 years. Some of you guys have been Christians since yesterday. That's great. But all of you are sitting here today because there is a reason God has done things in your past that you are coming back and you're saying, God, you are good and I'm here to worship you. Life might have been very difficult five years ago or two years ago or 40 years ago, but you have these mile marker moments in your life where you have seen God's goodness and you are here today to praise him for that. This is one of the most important steps if we want to have a good perspective of who God is in the midst of our evil and our suffering. Let's look at some of the things that he says. Habakkuk says that God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. These are alternative names for Mount Sinai. So we look at the Exodus story. This was a major moment where Moses was given the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. And it was a a renewal of the covenant that God has with Israel. We see other language like... The sun and the moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows. That's a reference to Joshua chapter 10 when the enemies were coming after Israel and God actually prolonged the day by stopping the sun and the moon so that Israel could defeat their enemy. There's another reference which is a little more gruesome, I'll be honest. With his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us. That's a reference to David and Goliath. David killed Goliath with five smooth stones, but what did he do afterwards? He walked, sorry if there's kids in here. <laughs> he walked up to him, he took his head. There's a clean way to put it. But he took his head with his own spear, with his own sword. Habakkuk is remembering all of the good things, how God has protected Israel along the way. Why? Because Israel is God's people, and God doesn't leave his people. And what I want you to hear from that is that Israel is still God's people, but so are you. Because God isn't just for the Jewish people anymore. When Jesus came, he ushered in a new kingdom that was for the Gentiles, which is us. You are God's child. You are his people. Bad things are going to happen to you. But time and time again, church, God is going to come through. He's going to show himself faithful. He's going to show himself close to you, even when it feels like he's far away. So our first step is to praise him because he's good and he's sovereign. He's in control. Our second step is to remember all of the good things he's done for us, the times he's gotten us through the things that we need to get through, the deaths in the family, the drug addictions, all the frustrations that come with life that God has given us and he's supplied us with his peace that surpasses all understanding. God is ultimately good. But I want you to hear in this too that when we do suffer, when there is evil and suffering in life, I don't think that we're just supposed to, well, maybe we're supposed to. I just think it's, it's very difficult to walk up to suffering and to face it and say, you know what? It's okay. God is good. right? How many of us, we face a death in the family and we're like, oh, pfft, God is good, right? No, we don't act like that. Why? Because we're human beings. And as I look at Habakkuk 3, and he says things like, I heard and my heart pounded. He's responding to God's plan and how God is going to take, he's going to send armies after Babylon to wipe out Babylon so Israel can come back into their promised land. That means death. That means exiling. That means a lot of bad things are happening. But here's Habakkuk's response. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound decay crept in my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for that day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. What's Habakkuk saying? In other words, he's kind of saying that, God, I want you to wipe out Babylon, but do it in a really nice way. (laughs) Make sure nothing bad happens to them or us and just kind of snap your fingers and everything's fine again. But what's going to happen to Babylon? People are going to die. Part of God's plan is that evil happens in this world and it's allowed to happen under God's sovereignty. And so Habakkuk is standing here saying, God, I get that you have a plan, but honestly, it scares me and it makes me pretty emotional. And I think that this is the same response that we're okay to have when we face evil and suffering. I was just talking about my grandma two, week, or two weeks ago when I was preaching, and she passed away from Alzheimer's and dementia about 10 years ago. And she was one of the, the main, her death was the main catalyst pretty much that, that brought me into a relationship with Jesus, the reason why I'm a Christian today, changed my life. Although, it was very hard to watch my grandma suffer. And so I'm not walking up to my grandma's grave and saying, oh, I have her ashes on my, my shelf. And I'm not saying, oh, thank goodness, grandma. No, we don't respond like that. You know, God has a plan. Thank goodness. It's okay to be emotional. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be confused. You're allowed to be a human before an almighty God. And so if you're here today, maybe you're struggling, maybe you're emotional about something, I want you to know that it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to have doubts. But bring those to God in a healthy way where you can usher in his presence, his truth, and his word into your life. Because ultimately, that's what changes us. And ultimately, that's where Habakkuk is led. This is my favorite part of the whole book of Habakkuk. All this evil, all this suffering, all this pain, and here's how he finishes the book. He says, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. It's in this moment that Habakkuk has kind of crossed this threshold of faith. It's a new day for him. No longer is he, is he frustrated and confused and wondering why God is allowing all this to happen, but he has come to this posture in life where it doesn't matter what is happening around him, he is going to focus on God, and his praise and his worship and his dependence is always going to be on God. Because look at this when he says there's no fig trees, the fig trees do not bud, there's no grapes on the vines. For us, it's like, who cares? We live in a sandy county. We don't need cattle in the stalls. Maybe 100 years ago we did, but it's a little bit of a different world. But imagine this. Imagine gas hits $5 a gallon, which is probably coming. Now, for us, that frustrates us a little bit. But then reality sets in of, oh, crap, my gas budget actually doubled this month, and now I have less money for food. That's a real problem. My question for you is this. Do we trust God when life is hard or just when life is easy? Do we praise God when things actually get rough? I mean, are we able to look at gas prices skyrocketing? The economy is so questionable right now, and we all have our opinions of what could be done or should be done, what was done four years ago, what's being done now. We all have our opinions, but do we trust God? Do we have a dependence on God that says, I don't trust in fig trees. I don't trust in gas prices. I don't trust in world leaders. I don't trust in economies. God, I trust you. Ultimately, Habakkuk says, God, my strength comes from you. And when my strength comes from you and not my 401k, Habakkuk says, I can run like I have the feet of a deer. And I don't know what it looks like to run like a deer. But I do know that they look very graceful. And they fly across the fields like they have no stress in their lives. And that's how I want to live. And I believe that that's how we can live in the face of evil and suffering and questioning and pain in life. We can have the freedom and the weight off our shoulders. Say, God, you are good if our trust and our dependence is solely found in him and not the things of this world. And so we're going to take communion. You can grab your elements if you'd like to. But as we take communion today, I want you to think of not just Jesus, which is what we're remembering in his death on the cross, but I want you to think of and remember the disciples. In the Bible, when Jesus went off to the cross and he was crucified, he was executed. What happened to the disciples? They scattered. They were terrified. And they expected the Romans to come after them as well. Not only were they terrified for their own safety, the king, the Messiah, the one who just said, I'm rebuilding this, the temple, I'm ushering in a new way of life, he was killed. I mean, he was their hope, and he was killed. But what they didn't understand is what they came to understand is that they didn't realize that Jesus was coming back. And they were stuck in this, on the doubt side of the spectrum, saying, we just believed in this Savior, this Messiah, the guy who came and who was going to make all things new, and now he's dead? I mean, put yourself in their shoes. That might cause you to doubt a little bit. <laughs> it would cause me to doubt a lot. But this is where I want to take a step of faith, together as a church. That while the things of this world that happen are evil and suffering is, is a terrible thing, We're putting our faith in the one who has sovereign control over all things. And at some point, I think that we just need to take a step of faith rather than needing every answer. The reality of God is he's so mysterious, we can't answer every question. The things of this world are so complex, we can't answer every question. But what we can do is we can put our faith in him because ultimately he is sovereign. And so as we take communion today, We're going to take the bread and we're going to take the juice and we do this in remembrance of Jesus. That his body was broken for us to pay the penalty, the price of our sins so that you and I could walk in freedom and have salvation for eternity. Things are going to happen on this earth that are bad and evil, even to Christians, but our eternity is perfect in the presence of God. And so as we take the bread today, we remember that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, and his body was broken for us and for hope. You may take your bread. And as you take your juice, this grape juice is a symbol of the blood that was spilled out For your sins and for my sins, so that we could have freedom, salvation, and hope for eternity. May you take your juice. Let's pray. God, we come before you. And today we want to praise you and remember you for your goodness, for the way that you work all things together for the good of those who love you and you have called according to your purpose. Lord, we want to remember that as we look at suffering and evil in this world, it seems like it has overtaken us. It seems like it is too big of a problem. And yet, Lord, I pray for an eternal perspective, that we recognize that all these things are happening according to your plan. And that for us as the church, as Christians, as people who want to follow Jesus, Lord, you are working all things for the good of those who follow you and love you, even painful things. Even death, even addictions, Lord, the oftentimes these bring people to you. And so we wanna come before you and we wanna praise you because you are sovereign over all things. Lord, I pray that going forward we can walk as people who live by faith, recognizing that, that not every question will be answered. We might not even be satisfied with the answers that were given, but God, ultimately our faith is still in you. Help us to live as those who are righteous and those who live by faith. God, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.